Ash from this is Ash. I can't even say my own name. And you're listening to All Things Dentistry podcasts. This is uh, we love to share those unwritten hints and tips in dentistry. And really, in this podcast, I do that by kind of quickly reviewing what I've done in the past day. So as a shout out to Angela, uh, she just got back from Cuba and she was there all week and she came back brown, fairly tanned. And it's a real shout out to, you know, I wish you could all experience how exceptional of a dental assistant she is. Um, Yes, she can be miserable, but that's an inside joke. She is capable of switching from restorative to surgery to anything. And first thing in the morning, we rolled into an apico, 7.30, on tooth number 1-1. Because Svetlana presented, oh, about two months ago, she had been in another city, and the dentist there had attempted a retreat on tooth number one two and referred the case she was coming back uh she 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 had a on tooth number one two let me step back on the big picture Sadlana was born in bosnia and she has a lot of dentistry that has been redone and redone and the usual cycle of dentistry on earth as we see it today is tooth erupts decay filling decay recurrent decay filling root canal crown recurrent decay extraction either nothing or implant so she's gone down that continuum with a number of teeth and she has a number of implants now and we're going down the continuum uh, again with her anterior teeth so she had a number of root canals completed probably 40 years ago and now we're some of them are great, they're just no problem. And then there's a couple that you kind of like, ooh, they're not working now. So um, this was tooth number, so she has anterior prosthodontist five years ago, put a number of beautiful crowns on her anterior segment, maxillary anterior segment, they look amazing. But the now the root canals are failing because they're long overdue. Uh, so we've got a couple lesions. And one of those root canals was tooth number one too. So I'm getting to the story. So maxillary right lateral incisor, and when this patient was in Winnipeg doing some training, the tooth flared up. So she had a previously treated with uh, symptomatic periodontitis. So they attempted a retreat that removed the crown, the past post. Uh, they couldn't get down into the canal. Uh, so what we they put a temp back on and then she got sent back to Ottawa. And so we attempted the retreat and it was actually, um, Honestly, it was a fairly straightforward retreat. There was some black stuff that came out of there. I have no idea what that restorative, that obturating material was. But during the retreat, I was thinking to myself, I'm not sure this tooth is restorable because the initial cast post placement uh, really was close to perforating the buckle. And I was in there thinking, uh, okay, well, this tooth, it really was going through my mind was this tooth has lasted how many years for the cast posts? I'm sure we can put a new cast post or fiber post uh, and be good to go. But during the fiber post placement, I placed a fiber post, I put my temp on after the retreat, and as I was relining the temp, the fiber post came out, and I was thinking to myself again, like, hmm, is this another sign? And then I put this case online, and I talked with, so other people, great, I really appreciate the, the collaboration, because they're kind of like, and they, and I was kind of getting too focused on saving this tooth. And I was thinking, you know, this tooth needs to go, but I really was like, eh, we'll just try to save it. Online, on my community board, I suggested, you know, just take it out because it's going to snap because there really was no ferrule, maybe a half millimeter ferrule. And I was, what I had really mentioned was, do we extrude this tooth and save it? And 
you know, the results are overwhelming, like, no, just take it out. So I put this to, I was kind of going over my errors in judgment with my, uh, you know, as a collaborative with 10 other dentists during this uh, conference call we have once a month. And I was pointing out uh, my error on this case. It's kind of like uh, medical rounds. We're doing dental rounds because uh, I like to show, I like to get better, you know, and show my mistakes. Especially it's more mistakes in thinking now. So the period, it was periodontist, oral surgeon, prosthodontist was on the phone, a bunch of other dentists, you know, they really looked at that and like, you got to take that out. They're like, okay, well, we plan to take it out now. I was going to place a bridge because there's a, two crowns. There's a crown on the two one and there's a crown on the, uh, the crown on the one one and there's like, everything's crowned. So we can just cut the crown off and be good to go because I'm not cutting the natural tooth structure. But they're like, you know what? Why aren't you putting an implant there? And I'm thinking to myself, why am I not putting an implant there? I don't know on tooth number one, two. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to place an immediate implant, tooth number one, two. And then what we did yesterday was, so we got a comb beam for that. And then on, so beautifully, the comb beam was used for the implant placement to make sure we have enough buckle bone for tooth number one, two. And we do. And then because she's a patient has a high smile line and then we use that for determining where the lesion is on the tooth number one one which we're doing the retreat because i tried to knock that cast post out of there and it was not moving and i'm not having about the fracture of the tooth so using the comb beam we're able to quickly figure assess the length of where the lesion is on the apical for the apical on tooth of the apicoectomy on tooth number one one so we rolled in 7 30 angela's like oh my gosh we got to do this um so she set up perfect it's like and the procedure I mean it's a fairly straightforward procedure once you've done one you've done many um, it's a, it's actually easier than taking out teeth today I think because taking out molars especially root canal molars as we all know they can be extremely difficult and if you're trying to preserve one of the tips that I did learn from my colleague Amir was you really need to preserve that buckle and lingual plates especially when you're taking out you're extracting teeth and trying to provide preserve that bone for an implant so rather than because what i was taught 20 years ago was just section tooth section restorative section tooth and then if you can't get it out just get rid of the bone so now it's more like section tooth and then remove the interceptal bone and try to preserve that buckle bone as much as possible so if you can do that in a small little hole to extract teeth you can do these apicos so it went over really Quickly, what I elected to do was um, I was trained to use a, um, a full periosteal flap, that's standard, but all the way with papilla preserving. Uh, but this patient, we're going to try to preserve the, because remember, we're going to be taking tooth number one, two out, and this is the apical on the one, one. I want to preserve as much of that keratinized tissue and the inner dental papilla. So what I elected to do was just do like a uh, kind of semi-lunar, but more like a Lubke Oshabine, really cool name kind of make the incision in attached gingiva she has lots and then make two releasing and then I measured so that's that elevated the flap and we needed to I needed to poke into the lesion with something sharp from 22 millimeters so I measured 22 millimeters from the incisal on the comb beam incisal edge I measured 22 millimeters on the bone used my endo explorer popped in the lesion removed it you know open up the little crypt section it, section the apical part, I mean, on and on and on. I'm gonna post it online. So it worked out really well. I was really happy with it. And it was quick, it's like half an hour. So the next stage with her is to do an immediate implant. 
and then off we go. So I'm super grateful for the collaborative efforts of everyone. It's really, it's it's very helpful. So after that, then we, uh, what happened? We had a tooth number one five that was referred to us. So Mike is a 63 year old patient and uh, really a perio patient to be honest. He's you know, 63 years old and he's hanging on these teeth. And tooth number one five has slowly died and it was picked up on an annual exam. So we did the endo and actually I tried to get some really good video of this one because on the x-ray, this is really cool because you look on the x-ray, it's like an MO, amalgam, uh, MO composite DO amalgam and it's like, okay, I can hop into that, no problem. But when you get in there and the pulp chamber is open, you hop in there and you're like, where is this pulp chamber? Uh, we all know that feeling, especially on a premolar, you're like, man, this is not a lot of width. I mean, it's probably like a millimeter width to try to find this dainty little pulp chamber. So. What I did do is I removed more of the restorative aspect and opened up so I can get more light and see rather than opening up more, removing more tooth structures. So once you're in, it's like, okay, boom, I'm into the buckle. But likely you have to take a look at where the orifice is relative to the anatomy of the tooth, the crown, and you're kind of like, hmm, that's more buckle. There's got to be... Like if it was, if you popped in and it was like right down the middle of the tooth, like, okay, yeah, it's probably one canal. But if it's more displaced buccal or lingual, it's like, huh, there's another canal in here. So you got a trough and it can be a little bit nerve wracking to trough. So you gotta have the right tools. And for me, it's the Munzburr. I'm not advertising these things. <coughs> They're just amazing. So doing some troughing, hopefully I can get that video published so we can see really how Easy it is, but it just takes a little bit of practice to do this trophic bit. Rather than blowing open the entire, I mean, it's easy to destroy a tooth with a burr and then you've got no tooth left, but it's a little more, I'd say, what's a ballerina? Very gracious to be able to um, get in there, be able to remove as minimal tooth structure, but be confident in doing it. It just takes practice. It's really it on extracted teeth. So we finished that endo. And I've been using the, I got this new air, this new Apex locator called the Airpex. And honestly, I've used, I've been doing this for 20 years. Been using lots of air Apex locators and this one, it, it's not about the size. So it's from eight, eight teeth. It's not, it's really not about the size. It's not about the size. Yeah, it's tiny, it's cool. And I can take it to the different places I work. It's, and it's not sitting on the bracket table, which I can't stand. Cause it, the thing is we're trying to keep sterile instruments so in the operatories that I work, usually there's no table on the right side to put my apex locator so I can see it. So it's always on the, what we call the bracket table or the handpiece holder, whatever you want to call it. So we're trying to take, we're keeping sterile instruments on there on paper. I mean, there's a cognitive dissociation kind of thinking right there because um, the paper's not sterile. But um, one of the things is that you put your apex locator on there, which we know is not sterile, which is barely wiped down, and then it's next to your burrs and your your instruments. So it's always driven me bananas when I do that. And for some reason, a lot of the cables on the apex locators come out of the right sides, uh, and I'm right-handed, so the, the cable actually wraps around the apex locator. And I don't know why. It's it did that with the uh, the Promark from Densply and it just would drive me bananas because I've got, we're shortening the cable by four inches and it wraps around. So it's kind of frustrating. But with this Airpex, 
it's kind of cool because it kind of I was really kind of hesitant in the beginning but it hangs off you can hang it off the patient's lip and I know you're thinking about uh, infection control because that is my main concern but it just seems like it works and so it's not only the size I know I talked about the size so it's not on the bracket table but the other piece that's really important is the electronics so I've compared it to the gold standard in my mind is Root ZX2 and the Root ZX. I love the Root ZX. But when I use the APEC, the AirPex, the electronics have it so the electronics are equivalent in terms of location finding of the of the apical constriction. But when I use the electronics, it's not going like like Apex locators. It's like and it stays there and it's like stable. It's actually quite remarkable. And I was extremely I remember seeing it on Facebook a long time ago and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And now I tried it and I'm like, you know, this actually has some great potential, some absolute great potential. So we use that on that case. So what we're gonna do, so I stopped it like Dr. Rikuchi has discussed. I stopped it at the green, top of the green or just at the bottom of the blue. It looks super short. It's got a lesion on this tooth number one five, but I opened it up to a medium. So that's a 3506, irrigated the heck out of it. And actually I used ultrasonic irrigation. Uh, with this one from uh, again eight teeth I got uh, I picked up the ultrasonic and the uh, apex locator because I've been wanting to get a an ultrasonic portable handpiece because uh, I use the uh, the Densply endo activator and I think I don't think I don't know I don't know if there's a difference I don't think there's outcome studies that show a difference but I'll tell you there's a lot more debris that comes up with the uh, ultrasonic and most of the guys online use ultrasonic so I'm kind of on the fence but anyway, so we finished that case. Uh, we've got a mobility to two, so we're gonna wait out to crown that one. We put a post in it from endo sequence. It's a really quick tip that I learned from real world endo, cutting the gutter perch and putting your post in. So, and then, wow, I'm already at work, I'm still talking. And uh, so we did, we finished another endo. I'll tell you the more complex, so we finished another endo for Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan did a Max J. Moeller. He just graduated like six months ago and he's tackling these molars. He did an amazing job. All the canals were found, all the canals were patent, and I'm actually super impressed with his skill using loops. I'm not a fan of um, 2.5 loops for molar, for endo in general, but he was able to tackle it. The patient came in for an emergency. I'm really impressed. He did a great job. So it's a shout out to Dr. Dan. Good for you. Uh, so we finished that case for him because he's, I don't know, he's in Finland or something. So that worked out really well. And then, uh, so a couple other cases I really have finished uh, last night were Carol. And Carol was, uh, she had a crown on tooth number four, seven place, a temporary crown. And she was not looking excited when I saw her in the waiting room. She was kind of not nervous, but just not feeling it. I don't think anybody's ever feeling a root canal, but you know, I remember being next to the prosthodontist when I lived, worked in Halifax and they always got gifts. Prosthodontist there always got gifts from her patients. I don't think I've ever got a patient gift from an endo patient ever. I don't even think I've ever gotten like a nice email. That's okay. I know you guys love me. Anyways, so this was an interesting case. We cold tested it. Um, she was, you know, in a lot of pain. The, the temp crown had been on there for three weeks. So definitely after we diagnosed it as number four seven, irreversibly inflamed with uh, symptomatic apoperitonitis. So we got in there. And it was the craziest anatomy. And I almost think it's not a 4.7, it's a 4.8. This patient's like 53, so maybe something along the road, she had the uh, transplant or something, the, the wisdom tooth. Because 
Where the traditional mesial canals were, there weren't traditional canals. Where the mesial buckle was supposed to be, it was nothing. There was a dent, but there was nothing. But where the mesial lingual was, there were two canals and they, bi they bifurcated about 10 millimeters down into a lingual and a buckle. And the only way that I figured it out, and of course I didn't take my video camera to video it, because I was like, oh, I don't need it. The only way I figured it out was, first of all, in the x-ray I looked at it, I was like, hmm, that looks just different. And second, when I placed the Wave 1 Gold in there, I went down to work, I went to open my chrono two thirds in one, and then I placed it back in, and I was like, man, that's cutting again. So it was kind of that tactile feel, it was like, huh, weird. So we got that case done. It was a little more complicated than I had hoped, but um, I was, I'm super happy we were able to get that one done. And then the last patient yesterday was Sonia, and she, I actually saw her grandson about a year ago for his maxi anterior tooth. Um, and little Benjamin was extremely terrified. So, uh, we were able to completely complete that case. Actually, his dad was a, one, of, one of my son's coaches in hockey. So grandma rolls in 72 years old, wants to save her tooth, tooth number four, seven again. And I guess the point is if she can do it, if he can do it, she can do it. That's kind of, I think that's why she pushed her way through. So interesting enough, this tooth was calcified like right to the apex. So when I looked she had a temporary crown placed. It was irreversibly inflamed, and when I looked at that x-ray, uh, that'll be, I'll put the layout for the thumbnail, I was like, oh my gosh. 4-7, calcified. So, we numbed her up, we were able to tackle it. I'm not gonna drag this on, I was extremely happy, but we really forewarned the patient that this is a complicated tooth. Uh, so just be forewarned, there might, you know, might not be able to get to length, but she was so stoic, and I'm super grateful for her patience, it was, um, we were able to do it not in an hour, in about an hour and 25 minutes, a little bit slower because it was, you know, really what saved me is the Munzburrs and the diamond. I actually use a diamond in this case to remove more of the, um, of the calcified dentin to slowly go. So with that, I'm at work. You've had enough of me. I'm super grateful for you listening to this point and, uh, you have a great day. Cheers.